You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Genesis uh, chapter 29, and um, we're going to continue on in our series called um, Relentless Grace, the title that's behind me on the screen. Uh, there's a desert there um, because where we picked up in Jacob's story is Jacob, uh, you know, he's out looking for a wife and he's out on his own and he doesn't have any family or friends to call on. And that leaves him in a vulnerable spot there in the desert as he heads to Haran. Um, But God's with him and God's grace is relentless. Like it never stops pursuing Jacob. And maybe you need to hear that right now is that you're never alone. And even especially the times that we think we're the most alone and the most lonely and the most forsaken and forgotten, God continues to say, I see you. And God continues to say, hey, I'm with you. And I'm closer, closer than you know. And so um, little by little, little, you know, Jacob in his running is meeting relentless grace wherever he's finding himself. And man, do you know the difference between somebody that's just a good person and, a, and, and somebody that's a grace person? You know this, right? Like, like you'll go to that youth group and and everything's just all put together, and everybody knows the right Bible answers, and, and everybody is doing the right thing and reading the scriptures, but there's something that's not there. There's something missing still. And that's okay, because everybody's in their story. You know, I've been in this uh, Jimmy Eats World phase where it's not, you know, you're in the middle, you know that song? It just takes some time, little girl, you're in the middle of... And we're in the middle, right? You don't, you're not in heaven yet, you're not at the promise, but you're not at the beginning either. And in the middle, God begins to meet you, Right? And so, um, and so there's this like glossy look, you know, but he little by little in the middle, he wears us down in the desert. He wears us down from good people to grace people. You know, Jesus says to the rich young rulers, no such thing as a good person. Why would you call me a good person? There is no such thing as a, a good person, but I'll tell you what, there's somebody that's met grace before. There's somebody in their brokenness, in the middle of their sexual addiction, in their depression, in their anxiety that met God in that place and knew that he was good when they were being bad. And that's when grace meets us. Have you ever told the difference between somebody that you can see the grace in their eyes and the tears that are in their eyes when they begin to talk about Jesus? It's not a Sunday school thing anymore. Why? Because it's not just good people meeting a good God. It's broken people meeting a graceful God, a relentless grace that meets us in every single season. And so um, uh, when I was, when I was uh, about nine, uh, my mom uh, and I, I'm a single child to a single mom, and so we lived in a lot of interesting apartments with a lot of interesting cat ladies uh, which I won't get into, but a lot of interesting stuff that went on when you live in the apartment life in Albany, New York. Um, I met uh, a friend of mine uh, we don't keep up with anymore. He was a German kid who was also a single child to a single mom named Matt Tanzi. And, um, and Matt was about uh, six inches shorter than me, and he was about a year and a half younger than me. And uh, he tried to make up with that with his attitude all the time and tried to beat me at home run derby and tried to beat me at Nerf football. Uh, I remember back in the day, we'd get all the kids together and it was awesome, man. It was like the sand lot. We were just scheming all the time. We just always had stuff going on before phones happened. We actually did stuff, you know? And so uh, each of the clothing lines was like, you know, 10 feet apart. And each of those were like first downs. And man, we'd go after it every single day, whether it was three kids or five kids or 10 kids. I mean, we'd get them, get them going. And so, and Matt was like my, my little brother. Uh, he used to bug the snot out of me, man. This one time, we decided to go in together on this like uh, basketball trading business thing. So we put all of our basketball cards in this binder and looked up the Beckett magazine to see which everything like was worth or whatever. And this one time, man, I used to go to Hong Kong in the summer. And I got back from Hong Kong, and man, he had traded all my cards. I was mad at him. I didn't talk to him for like six months. This dude traded a Shaquille O'Neal rookie card for a Muggsy Bogues card. If you're a basketball fan, I mean, I still have to go through Sozo just to forgive the guy, man, because I'm so I'm still hung up on it. 
uh, I, was, I used to get so mad at him. He used to just, his mom was real artsy, so he didn't have a TV. He had a little tiny little black and white TV. This was like 1992, and we we're almost like depression or something like that. But anyways, I mean, I'd sit there, I'd be wanting to watch Batman Adventures in the afternoon, and he'd just be standing there with his little eyes over the screen door like, come on, Oliver, it's time to play. And I'd be like, not right now. Batman's on, you know? And he would just stare at me for like an hour and a half. He just bugged the snot out of me, man. And my mom, man, she'd make it worse because, you know, she would, she would say this thing. Have you ever heard somebody say this to you about somebody that annoys you? You know the reason why you guys don't get along is because you're just alike. You know the reason. You know, this is like the thing, the last thing you want to hear. The reason why you guys don't get along is because you guys are basically brothers and y'all are just alike and birds of a feather always flock together. She always said, I mean that. You know, birds of a feather, y'all deserve each other. Birds of a feather flock together. You know, bugs the heck out of you, you know. Yeah, but she's right, man. I, one time, one of my greatest sins in my whole life, confession time, uh, is uh, I, I hit old Matt with a, he ticked me off. I hit him with an ice ball, man. That's rough. That's a first degree murder right there. You take an ice ball and cover it with snow and throw it at a kid. And he cried and I got in a ton of trouble. So he, he, he really was like a brother to me, you know? Uh, uh, and so, yeah, I used to get jealous of his friend, Ethan. When Ethan would come over, all of a sudden I'd want to hang out with Matt more. And, and uh, he would, you know, and I would steal his snacks after school. I mean, we were just, we deserved each other is the point. Yeah, God, God, does this, God, does, God does this thing in our lives, I think, uh, 0 to 37, and he puts people in our life um, that are like us, uh, that are sinners. Have you ever seen this before? God will put somebody in our life uh, that is a sinner, uh, because we all are, and uh, we all fall short, and, and he puts these people in our life to reveal sin to us. That's the thing, that's the thing. Um, the thing is, is that we, I think we, um, we typically think if, if we're walking with Jesus and, you know, we understand our brokenness and we're finding grace and, you know, and we're continuing on in, in, that, in that process. And the illusion of blindness, you know, Jesus heals a lot of blind people and, and he's doing it because he cares for people, but he's also showing the audience what we're like. And he's putting people in our lives that are like us to show us what, it's, what we're like, what, what it's like to live on the other side of us. And here's the illusion about repentance is... Um, the assumption that we, I think, have a lot of times with repentance is that we think that repentance is turning from something we know to turn towards something else that we know. When oftentimes repentance, and you can ask your wife, your spouse, and all the people that live a 360 around you, real repentance is not just turning from things we know to turn to things we, don't, we, we still know. It's actually turning from things we don't know about yet to go to places we have never seen before. So here's the illusion about sin. The illusion about sin is you know what you don't know. But the reality is, is in the 360 of your life, you don't know what you don't know. And for you to grow, you have to know what you don't know. Like you'll be in a, in a situation and uh, you'll be like, man, this person is so just arrogant. They are not listening to me. They're being a bad listener, just on their phone texting. And how much you want to bet by the end of the afternoon, you'll catch yourself. Kyra will do it to me every time. Sweetie, can you get off your phone like while I'm talking to you for a second? And all of a sudden, what happens? You have an out-of-body experience to realize the thing that you thought that you knew you didn't really know. And we're actually more blind than we think. Scientists say, right, psychologists are saying we see maybe 180 degrees max. And we have blind spots that if people don't, if God doesn't put people in our lives that are like us, that sin like us, we'll never be able to see what we don't know and so we can't grow. And so maybe this is a prayer just put on the screen. I just want you to pray this and see what happens. You guys ready? This is a great prayer. It says, Lord, show me what I don't know so that I can grow. It's a real simple thing. You can't know what you don't know, and you can't grow until you know what you don't know. And so God's putting people in your life. Listen, people, people, the people around you that are sinners, they're annoying, they're bugging you, six, sevens, eights on the angry, whatever they are, okay? He's putting them there on a purpose, right? Because people are not windows, they're mirrors for you. And gospel will teach you. You think you're a people watcher, and you're just cruising through people's Instagrams. You didn't like that person. You haven't liked a picture of that person for three years. You know what you're doing. 
you're, you're peeking in the window. What's going on over there? Glad I'm not like that. Glad that I'm better than that person, right? That's what's going on. And you think that God puts people in your life to be windows, but people are not windows. People are mirrors. You're like that person. And they're showing you what you don't know so that you can grow. The politics, hate to tell you, it's not a window. It's a mirror, man. You act like that too. You, you might not say it, but you think it. You didn't like the post, but you thought about it. And that picture is not, that picture is not a window, it's a mirror. This sermon is not a window, it's a mirror. We come on Sundays and nine times out of ten, we think we know what we know, and well, we're just working on that 1%, Lord, that just helped me become a little bit more perfect today. And we think we just wish that somebody else could be here to hear this sermon. You might even be thinking it right now. I hope somebody could hear this sermon. And he's going, your, your ears are not here to listen for somebody else's sermon. Your ears are here to hear this sermon. The scripture is not a window, it's a mirror, Right? And it's here to visit you and encounter you. And until you know what you don't know, you can't grow. So he puts people in our lives as mirrors. And so Jacob meets this rascally, deceptive guy named Laban. The deceiver meets a deceiver, and it's a mirror. Jacob's find Laban's, and Oliver's find Oliver's. And that's where you're at. And you're finding out that people are more mirrors than windows. And Laban is a shyster, man. I was trying to think of a word this week, like, what is a word? Man, Laban is a shyster. And so you've got a rascal named Jacob, and he meets a shyster named Laban. And so I just call their celebrity couple, it's called Shashkel. It's just the two of them together. They just are just two monkeys wrestling over football. They are just the pits of humanity. And they continue to lie to each other, and they waste, they waste, they waste their years together. They waste their years lying to each other. And so this is the picture. Jacob has moved from his home. It's been a push and a pull. He's in that nowhere place from nowhere land, and he's all on his own because that's what, that's what deception will do to you. It will build walls. It will keep you safe, but it will build walls around you from sometimes the presence of God, but oftentimes the presence of people. And so Jacob has gone out to look for a wife. Listen, the same way that Isaac went to the desert, or a servant went to the desert to get Isaac a wife, it's the same path, but listen, he didn't pray about it. He wasn't listening. And so he's not, he's not reticent to the blessing that's going on in his life. He's going out on his own, and so his story looks different. Even though he's in the same place at the same time, he's not yielded to the Holy Spirit. He's not yielded to grace. And so this is where we're finding Jacob. It says, Jacob, in verse 9, this is now chapter 29, if you're there, Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. I don't know why I just get this picture of, like, Star Wars when you go into the little, you know, nightclubs in Jehubiville or whatever it is, and there's these weird, you know, people. It's like the eastern people, right? And so... Uh, there's these people that you're going to introduce to, right? The Eastern people, they've got this different language. They kind of act different. Now, verse 2, it says, There he saw a well in the open country with uh, three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from the well. So there's this agrarian set up. There was a well and there's sheep and they come at different times. It says there's a stone over the mouth of the well that was very large. Nobody could move it. Verse 3, And when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll away the stone from the well's mouth and water the sheep. And they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. So you get this routine kind of every day. There goes the baker with his bread like always. You know, there's this routine that goes on in this provincial life. And they're moving the stone. They're feeding the sheep. They're putting the stone back, right? So here we go. Verse 4, So Jacob rolls up on the scene, doesn't know anybody, He's a new guy in town. Hey, my name's Jacob. He asks his shepherds, my brothers, where are you from? Listen to how they respond. We're from Iran, they replied. I want you to pay attention right now to the Eastern people, uh, the Star Wars Jabaki people or whoever they are, right? There's these new people that we're encountering with. And I want you to pay attention how, how many times they use the words they and we. 
The words they and we are going to occur a lot in this passage for a reason. He says, my brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. He says to them, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Now, this is his Uncle Rico, his rascal shyster Uncle Rico, who is going to just, you know, bamboozle the guy for, 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 for 20 years. Yes, they said, the people, the Eastern people, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, is he well? Was that a pun? I don't know. It's a dad joke. He'd be great at being a dad. Is he well at the well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes the daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. You know, here comes the seductive, uh, hot future wife music, right? So Rachel comes in. Verse 7, look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to the pasture. And we can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered. We don't do this, right? This is the way we do it. They can't do it this way. We do it this way. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. So, God, uh, so, so uh, Jacob makes his way, makes a first impression, meets some of these Eastern people. The Eastern people are just like, we don't talk about the things we don't talk about. I mean, there's just this, there's just this culture that goes on uh, in, these, in these Eastern people. Um, it reminds me of Star Wars, and it reminds me of this show, The Mandalorian, that's, that's been really arrayed these last couple, you know, COVID times, right, during, on Disney Channel. And so they have this phrase that the Mandalorian, if you're not watching Star Wars, is like this kind of assassin person, and the Mandalorian has a way. Do you know what he says when he does things? What do they say, right, when the Mandalorian does something? He says what? This is the way, right? What's mean? What does that mean? It just means I don't think about it. I don't question it. This is the way. This is the way I've always done it. This is the way I'm doing it. This is the way I will be doing it, right? This is the way. This is the culture. This is the thing, right? And, and isn't that so true of us that we love the ways? We, we, we like we like to have our ways. We like to have our ways not interrupted. We like to know our ways. We like to do our ways. We like to practice our ways. We don't like to question our ways. There, there, there was a, a, a friend of mine who had a grandma, and they would have the friends over, and every time when you'd go and hang out, and she set out the cheese and crackers and the grandma, and she'd always put a paper towel over, over the iced tea. Have you seen this? It's a southern lady, okay? So she's putting paper towels over the iced tea, and, and, and nobody really knows why. Why are you doing that? Well, it's like, I mean, we just put the paper towel. I mean, duh, iced tea, pitcher, paper towel. It's a no-brainer. Put the paper towel over the ice. That's where it belongs. Well, why do you do that? Well, I don't know. I just, I mean, my grandma did it. My mom did it. We just put the paper towel. It just looks nice. Don't you think it looks nice? I don't think it looks nice at all. I think it looks kind of weird, as a matter of fact. I'm from China. I don't know where you're from, but in my country, we don't put paper towels over our tea. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not the way. This is not the way, right? But this is the way that we are. We, we like to have our routines. We like to have our cultures. So you look it up on Wikipedia. Well, back in like the 1850s. When there's no air conditioning, there's just flies everywhere. So what do you need? Grandma needs to keep the, sa- the sweet tea sacred. Keep it sacred. Keep it separated from the flies. Put the paper towels. But there's no flies in the kitchen. There hasn't been a fly in there for 48 years, and we're still putting paper towels. <laughs> this is the way, right? And this, this is the way of humans, because we don't like, we think we want freedom, but the problem is we don't like to think for ourselves. And, and the deal with, with, with cultures is they're beautiful when they point us to Christ, but they're awful when they keep us from him. And we get stuck on what used to be a movement. It's now a monument. And we're still doing the same thing, expecting the same results, and nobody's asking why at all. Because cultures are beautiful, but cults are ugly. And when you take that ball too far, and everybody stops looking to anybody else, or anybody stops listening for themselves, you, you stop drinking sweet tea, you start drinking Kool-Aid. Right? And, and it's a fine line between when you go to a place and pastor says this and pastor says that. You know what pastor says? I mean, we're not even talking about scripture. You know, pastor says this. And it's all rhymy and, and, and there's all these prepositions and P's and power, power, you know, it's like we're just, we're just regurgitating something that somebody else says. But you know what's awful about that is that um, 
you can have uh, a sense of unity that's so undiverse, it's actually just uniformity. And everybody's saying the same thing. So we were here last night, uh, last Thursday, doing a worship night. And it, man, it was so great. Can I tell you something real quick? And this is going to be off topic, but you know what? Everything's on topic in the gospel. So um, we, um, we started praying. And, um, and I really think, you know, and, and the Lord was just doing what he does. And so, oh man, if I have my journal out here, I'd get this ready. Um, but, but basically, we get to praying, and, and you know, our vision statement is to, is to bless neighbors. And, and Kyra, you know, it's all part of the body of Christ. Like, the body of Christ is not a business, it's a family. He says, we're living stones, we're not bricks. And, and the fruit of family is not uniformity, it's unity. And what happens is, is when everything becomes pastor says, then nothing becomes Holy Spirit says. And we miss the gifts, man. Like, we miss the people asking the different questions and saying the different things in the different ways. How many of you guys loved what Timothy brought this morning? I mean, this dude opened up, I don't know, he shared the gospel in such a great way in, in terms of what I've heard and been in church a long time, in such a powerful and prolific way, in my opinion. I think we all, just give a hand for, for Timothy. Because I, and, and so, I just, the point is, is just hearing his gifts. Man, I'm just lost right now in terms of finding it. I, I wanted to read this to you, but I don't have it. Anyways, the point is, we start praying Families, neighbors, and nations, and, you know, we've been out at this motel, and we're excited about these neighborhoods back here. Did you guys know that there's, like, four kingdom ministries just down the way? I mean, I'm going to get this wrong because I don't have it memorized, but there's a place just next door called Living Bread Ministries off of, you know, Matthew when the people are up on the hill and he's feeding. And it says on their mission statement, we exist for people that cannot believe their body is beautiful even though it is or something like that. And I'm like, yes and amen to that thing, man. Because it, it, means, it needs a family. Like the city doesn't need a business. It needs a family. And the, and the distance between business and family is listening to him. And so back to Gavin's story, man. I don't know if you're on video games or whatever, but listen. You can't be a part of the family of Jesus if you're not a follower of Jesus first. And the very most beneficial thing you could do for this church, I promise, before tithing, and that's a lot of faith for me to say, right? The, the biggest thing that you could do for this church is get on your face with Jesus every day. Because the last thing we need, and we're going to get into it today because this is about culture. Like he's talking to us about culture. He knows about the we's and days. The best thing that you can do is get on your face with Jesus every single day because the last thing we need in this place in a family of God is people to think that they're going to get their blessing and get their belonging from the family of God before Jesus, before the Son of God. And you've got people that are aching to belong in here. They're aching for this blessing. We talked about last week, like worship is not, you know, um, uh, uh, a burnt earning. It's a burnt offering. And you need to be here because you have something, not because you don't. You need to be here because you're full, not because you're empty. And so, and so we encourage each other and we represent that feeling, no doubt. I, I'm t- please, if you're sad and broken and lonely, please be here as long as you need and take whatever you need in Jesus' name. Amen. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to see this family built up, you got to come full. And he can't fill, this family can't fill things that he, can't, that, he's, that he needs to fill for you. And so if you're always looking for the blessing and you're always looking for the belonging and something other than Jesus, you're going to just, you're going you're gonna to take from every community that you'll ever be in. The only one that can give you the blessing, the only one that can give you belonging is him. And so, and so sometimes he strips away that community and sometimes he brings us into the desert. It's not that he's not going to give us community. Community is a great thing. He just doesn't want the community to come before him. And we hate and take from every family that we visit if we don't carry the blessing of Jesus because we're going to be taking things that don't belong to them in the first place, asking them for, for, for affirmations and blessings and things that they don't have, right? So this is, this is the idea. So there's a culture thing that's going on. So he's gone back to Haran, and Haran is the roots. It's like Hong Kong for me. I go there every couple of years. 
It's a 23 and me, and we all have that desire of going back to the roots. It's, it's where Isaac got a wife. It's where Abraham was from. And he's gone back to Haran to go and visit these, these Eastern people. And, uh, and, he, and, and this is what happened next. It says, verse 9, while he was still talking to them, here comes Rachel, came from her father's sheep, for she, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel's daughter of his uncle Laban, the shyster, the rascal, the shaskal, Laban himself, and Laban's sheep, he went over, listen, he rolls away the stone. He just, he just this thing that nobody else could, he just rolls it away. He says, I'll move that. Away from the mouth of the well and waters the uncle's sheep. I mean, this is, guys, single guys, this is a great first impression. Can we just pay attention to this and take notes? This is how you get the girl. Robin Hood once said, faint heart never won fair lady. So he, he shows up on the scene. He rolls away the stone. He's like Ryan Gosling in the Bible, you know? And he waters the uncle's sheep. Listen, he's in there for 15 seconds, verse 11. He kisses Rachel and weeps aloud. It's still not over. Verse 12, he had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father, the son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. Can you just give a hand for Jacob just being a stud? Rolling up there like a cowboy? Oh, hey, what's your name, Rachel? Oh, you're Pisces? Okay. Uh... I think you look good. You smell good. Um, you see this rock that nobody can else? I lifted it. <laughs> Did your boyfriend not pick up his own underwear or his towel? I lift the rock. I find it. I lift it up. It's no problem for me. I could do it. Oh, is that your, is that your, is that your elderly father? Does he have sheep too? Guess what? I bless the father. I take the water and I bless him with the water. He needs the water, I give it to him, whatever he wants. The young kids, the children, I bless the children. I know how to bless. I know how to bless the father, right? Is those your lips? I kiss the lips. I'm like Ryan Gosling. I kiss them. I kiss them. The single guys, right? We take note. This is what we do, right? Get a job, lift the rock, bless the older people, bless the kids. Guess what? Lift it, right? I've been telling my kids all week. Even baby Oliver can say it now. Say it with me. Say, lift it, bless it, put a ring on it. Say it with me. Lift it, bless it, and put a ring on it. I, I, I took two years to propose to Kyra. Jacob had it set up from the beginning, okay? But the power of God is with Jacob. It's not over Jesus-y to say that the, the stone is being rolled back. He's already talking about it. It's that same resurrection power. The power of God is on Jacob's life, no matter what he's doing. He can't outrun the grace. He can't outrun the depth in the grace of God. And it actually presents this problem for Jacob in the same way that it presents a problem for you and me because he can't tell the difference between what he's doing and what God's doing on his behalf. And here's the problem with blessings that come for free. The way that you get the blessing is the way you have to keep it. And so just think about this for a second. Just think about this for a second. If you thought that you're a self-made man, you're a self-made woman, and I mean, you didn't have any good hereditary genes handed. I mean, it was just all you, man. You just pulled yourself out of your bootsteps, man. I was like Rocky in the ring, man. I just pulled myself up and I made that SAT happen. That you didn't have incredible gifts given to you all the way along. Like you thought you just bought your own car and that you just led your own life and you gave yourself the grace to learn and gave yourself the health as though these other countries, you know, and these other places that come up different places like 
you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda done what you did, right? If you thought that that's how you got the blessing, that's how you would have to keep it for the rest of your life. Because the way that you get the blessing is the way you keep it. And so if you want to keep that job, you got to do what you did to get what you got. And you have to keep working 70, 80 hours a week because you never learned that your job was a blessing and not a reward. Two little Adams and Eves, the, you know, the, the husband and the wife, the groom and the bride, they come up to the altar. And they kind of know it's a blessing, but they also kind of think it's a reward. They know that God has given them a spouse, but they kind of had to be a little cooler than they were to get the spouse. And listen, you have to keep the blessing the way you get it. And so what can happen is, is that you can actually hold the blessing thinking you took it and now you got to keep it and fight for it when it was just given to you by God by grace. And you'll fight for a, wedding, for, for a marriage and keep a marriage the same way that you got it, which means you got to keep your walls up and you got to keep shiny and bright and you got to keep lifting the well and blessing the Father and all these other things, right? You think that you got married because you earned it, but you didn't earn it. God gave it to you as a blessing and as a grace. Think about this. He has a mingled blessing because the, the thing is, we thought that Jacob got away with lying. We thought he took the blessing and, and, and we're mad sometimes a little bit that he keeps getting the blessing even though he lied for it. But listen, Jacob didn't get away with anything because he had to leave that desert thinking he has to fight for something he has. And for the rest of his life, because he lied to get the blessing, he actually thinks that he has to fight to keep the blessing that God wants to continually chase him. He's in the middle of nowhere with nothing and God is moving rocks for him. And he didn't even have to pray for it. He thinks he did it. And so this is the, like, let's rehearse this, right? This is the blessing. Like, this story is not about flirt to convert, right? This blessing is about the I am promise. The I am promise is not a thou shalt promise. It's not a if you do this promise. It's not a keep your performance up and keep it going promise. It's a just as you are, I am meeting you right where you are, as you are. I am the Lord, he says in verse 28, or chapter 28. I am the Lord. He visits him at Bethel, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac. He says nothing about the stew. He says nothing about his Esau brother. He says nothing about Isaac. He just talks to him. He talks to him about blessing. He's like, I'm here to bless you, and I will give you your descendants. I will, not you, not your strength, mine. I will give you your descendants in the land in which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out from the east into the west and the north and the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. The rascal, right? We're talking about Jacob. We're talking about the dude who's just stealing other people's like stuff and a conniver and a deceiver. And he's in the middle of that. And you're talking to him about that. Don't you need to bring up some pretext to that? Some conditions? There's none. There's an unconditional, strong hand of grace that continues to meet Jacob in his valley and in the mountaintop continues to meet Jacob at every corner he turns. The dust of the earth, he says, I'm going to bless you, 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 I'm going to bless you. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, and I am with you and watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I am done promising this thing to you. This is where he is. This is, this is, this is Jacob. He has this blessing. The problem is that Jacob thinks that he took it, and he can't just trust it. And so the, the sad thing is, is that he spends the rest of his life fighting for something he already has because you have to keep the blessing the way that you got it, or at least the way you think you got it. So verse 13, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, the sister, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him, and he embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you 
your flesh and my flesh, blood and my blood. When you don't think that you're blessed by God and belong to him first, you have to be blessed by everyone else. And you need belonging from everyone else you meet. So this is, the, this is the topic of the day, the hashtag of the scripture in Genesis 29. is talking about, does Jacob belong to God or does Jacob belong to everyone else? Because if you don't believe you're blessed by God and you don't believe you belong to God first, you will always have to belong somewhere else. And you will always be emptying yourself and performing and doing the days and the we's and the shoulds in order to get the blessing that you already have. And you'll never really belong because no one can help you belong except for him. You can only belong to him first and foremost. And so this is what Jacob's, this is what Laban says to him, his opening line. You're just like me, aren't you? You're just like me. We're birds of a feather. So I do, so you do. You're just like me. You, you do all the we's in the days. You belong to me. You belong to this job. You belong first and foremost to this church. If you don't do the things that this church wants you to do, then you don't really belong because you belong to me. You don't belong to God, right? You, you and me were married. We're flesh of flesh and blood of blood. We, you belong to me. You need my blessing like I need your blessing. Listen, Jacob doesn't belong to anybody but God. Jacob's been chosen from the very beginning. He doesn't belong or need anyone's blessing. But here's the problem. If you, if you have a blessing or if you don't, it wouldn't matter if you didn't know it. So Jacob has a blessing he doesn't know. And Laban's speaking to this guy and he's saying, you belong to me. But, Jacob, but, but Laban can't lift the lid of the, of the rock. Laban isn't blessed. Laban doesn't have a promise that he's going to be dust on the, on the shore. No, no, no. Jacob does not belong to Laban. Jacob belongs to God. But he doesn't know it. And so it is the great, you know, tragedy is a fool could walk through life having a blessing, fighting for it, something they already have and belonging to everyone else but God because they don't know where they, where they belong and they don't know who they are. And so this is, it. this is it. You might be blessed, you might belong to God, but if you don't know it, it doesn't make a difference. And they'll tell you, you're flesh and my flesh, you're just like me, you sin just like me, you act just like me, you have the same pressures as me, you need to come down to this anxiety level with me. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if, and if you don't have that word, if you don't come from that blessing place and belonging place, man, you are vulnerable to every wolf and every fox and every schemer and conniver. And sometimes your actions and thoughts will line up with their actions and thoughts, and that will make you think that your actions are who you are, but you're not who you, what you are, right? What you do is not who you are. Who God says you are is who you are. And if you are walking around for even a day, you will find an Uncle Laban to find you and say, you're not like, you're not like him, you're like me. Man, and this is how it goes for years and years and years. So verse 14, after Jacob stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? So he's talking about family, but he's kind of talking about business. Tell me what your wages should be. This is the, this is the reality. Um, birds of a feather flock together. God puts people in your life, not to be windows, but to be mirrors. And it's not an accident because deceivers, listen, deceivers will always find deceivers to do life with. This is the truth. Birds of a feather flock together. We will always find our feather flockers. <laughs> Olivers will find Olivers. Jacobs will find Jacobs. Deceivers always find deceivers, right? Because Jack Nicholson was right. Deceivers can't handle the truth. And as long as I, as long as I can't handle the grace of God, the truth of God in my life, I'm at the disposal of every other person that wants the truth to pour into my life, right? So deceivers, they create this mutual contract to, with each other. If you don't talk about the truth, then I won't. How about that? In a marriage, it could happen. If you don't bring up my sin and call out my idol, 
I'll do you a favor. I won't call out yours. And instead of a covenant, what happens? We have a business and it's a contract, right? They want a contract with you. You help me feel good and I'll help you feel good. But if you don't make me feel good, it's a contract. I'm going to hold you to it, man. So deceivers always find deceivers because they're both running from the truth. They don't even have to hand, be in the same place or you know, going to the same place. They're just running from the same thing. And when you can't handle the truth, you'll find people that can't handle the truth too. And you will waste years. I'm not talking about five years. I'm talking about 10 years, 20 years. A marriage living in contracts of deception rather than covenants of blessing. Blessing only flows through covenant because blessing is an I am, not a you should. And blessing is I choose you because I choose you and I bless you because I bless you and I'm good because I'm good and I'm gonna chase you because I chase you. It doesn't have to do with the condition. It has to do with my goodness. So Jacob has met somebody not like God that is not like him. And he has a choice to make. Will he enter into this contract? This is what deceivers want. They want you in a contract of deception. You don't call out my sin and I won't call out yours because we know we're both afraid of it. Can I tell you something? Truth without grace is not grace. And grace without truth isn't really grace in the first place. Grace is a person, it's not a doctrine. And we think about grace like it's a recipe and we throw in different little things like a little more sugar this time or a little more eggs. And I'll give them a little more grace this time and a little more truth, but not too much truth because I don't want to you know, hurt their feelings and I'll give them too much grace, but I don't want to get too sloppy. No, grace and truth is a person. And everything that Jesus said was grace and truth combined. That's what John says. He was grace and truth with feet. And he wasn't worried about anybody's feelings. And as long as we choose deception over truth, relationships are built on trust. So if there's no truth, there's no trust. And there's no trust, there's no relationship. It's just business as usual. Does your relationships, do your relationships in your marriage, in your work, do they have truth or do they have deception? Because if they don't have truth, they don't have trust. And if you don't have truth, you will always be in contracts, not family. You don't know them and they don't know you. And you're wasting your years. You're wasting your years. And they don't, if they don't choose you, they'll never choose you. And so it's the, it's the decision between a painless hidden life and a painful intimate life. And, it's, and, 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 and for anybody you interview over any amount of years or 20 years of life, it is more meaningful and blessed to have pain and truth than, than boundaries and borders and deception. You would choose it every time. You would choose it every time. So this is where he is. He wants this contract. Laban says, draws it up. Boom, boom, boom. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger, the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes and Rachel had a lovely figure, which uh, was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel. I'll work for seven years, a full lifetime, right? Seven years is the complete number. It's like, I'll work a lifetime in return for this younger daughter, Rachel. I'm gonna create a contract with you to go and get this blessing that I don't have right? That's what's going on. So he's going, seven years, I'm going to go after Rachel. Laban says to him, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Deceiver, conniving, knows how to flatter, right? Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like they only had a few, like it was only a few days because of his love for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is complete and I want to make love to her. That's not a good opening line for marriage. So he wins one and loses one. That's not a it's not a good one, right? So everybody's chummy. Everybody's chummy when it's all business. And I love you, man. I love you, man. I wouldn't want anybody. Blah, 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 right? Like feelings, feelings don't make relationship. Truth makes relationship, right? And feelings are what manipulate us into contracts of deception. But when the shoe drops on the other foot, man, you better watch out because a deceiver will deceive you just like you're deceiving them. And deceivers always find deceivers. 
and they have no sense of intimacy, no sense of blessing, and they're always trying to get blessing and belonging from somebody else because they don't think that God gave it to them. But Jesus is the blessing. And Jesus says, I bless you. I bless you because I bless you. I'm good because I'm good. I'm healing you. If I never see you again, I'm blessing you. And as long as you're running, I'm always going to be chasing you. And if you don't know that, man, I just want to tell you, maybe you're here today because you're here at church and you want to meet some friends and get your life right or whatever it is. I'm telling you, we have nothing to give you except for Christ and Christ resurrected. And Jesus, man, he's the only one that can bless you. And I pray even right now that you are beginning to find that your eyes are going to be open to see what you don't know and see what you don't see, that Jesus is the only one that can give you what you're looking for. And I just invite you to pray right now. If you don't know, just pray like, forgive me for my sin. I'm running from you, Jesus. Thank you for pursuing me. Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to be blessed by you. I want to know your Father. I want to belong to you and be blessed by you. You're the only one that counts in the end. And I bless that to you if you prayed that with me for the first time. I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. 22, so Laban brought together all the peoples of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took, this is Genesis 3, man, took and gave. This is it, man, it's jaws. Something's not good, it's gonna happen. He took, just like she took the fruit, gave it to her husband, Right? He took, he took the wife this time, he took his daughter, and he brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. So he swapped out the wives. He swapped out. The deceiver has met his match. When the morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? That's not there on accident, man. Deceiver met the deceiver. There's so much irony in this. What happened? Remember the whole story? You're not here? Jacob stole the blessing. He was the younger one who the older one was going to have the blessing. So Jacob tricked his blind dad like Petey and Dumb and Dumber. I mean, could you get any worse than that? Just tricking blind people, man. He's out here. God's not into into karma, but he's into consequences. And I hate to say it, but this is a poetic irony that just happened to Jacob. The deceiver deceived the deceiver. He out-deceived him. And God hands us over to stuff sometimes. And Jacob has found himself falling for the same exact trick. And he's mad because he thinks that Laban's a, a, a window, but he's a mirror. And God's showing him what he doesn't know right now. He's showing him his biggest problem is not Laban or Rachel. His biggest problem is him. He doesn't know that he's blessed, so he's taken from everybody else what God wants to give him for free. And now he's found himself at the bottom of the pit. Seven more years of work. Here it comes. Laban says, is it not our custom? Is it not just how grandma's always done it around here? The human custom, it's not God's doing impossible things through people. It's just the wave of the world, man. Like, this is what it takes. You got to work to get love. You got to earn. You got to be shiny. You got to be Michael Jordan. You got to win the prize to get the girl. Nothing just comes to you on its own. No such thing as a free lunch. It's our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one, finish the daughter's bridal week, and then we will have the younger one as well in return for another lifetime of work. Man, deceivers find deceivers. They want to create contracts, man. They'll suck you dry until you're empty and there's nothing left. Seven more years of work, Jacob found himself, and Jacob did so. So he finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife, and Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than that for Leah. And that was this dynamic that just keeps going on for him. It's not just one moment, right? It goes forward too. And he worked for Laban for another seven years. Man, 20 years. Can you just think, right? 2007, wait, where are we at? No, let's count 14 years, two, two seven-year stints. 2007 is 14 years ago. Did I get that right? Something like that? I don't know. Let's call it 2007. And man, you just think like deceivers find deceivers and, they, and it, it just continues to take, man. I remember 2007, I, I was a teacher. We had one kid. 
Kyra's dad was still alive back in 2007. I didn't even know, City Lights didn't even exist yet. God was with me. I don't know what he's doing in your life. God was meeting me. He's teaching me. I was earning things and working for things that God was already trying to give me. And some of that time from 2007 until 2021, I've experienced the blessing of God, man. Like, he has continued to pursue me. I had a kidney thing one time, and I remember the church coming around me and praying for me, and I remember being healed, and I've seen... I've seen people get healed. I've seen people get saved. I've seen lives get changed around. I've seen the blessing, like the I am blessing goes from Abraham to Jesus to me. And he's with me everywhere I go, man. But let me tell you what else. From 2007 until 2021, like I've wasted a lot of years too. And I would guess if you look back at 2007, you did too, if you go back in your Google photos. And I don't, I don't, I worked so hard in my second year of teaching. I mean, I probably worked, I mean, harder, and pastor's hard. I worked harder as a teacher. And pastor's like one of the toughest jobs, right? And I don't even remember a lot of Leo from zero to two. I don't remember it. And whatever it is that I made a contract for, I don't remember what the contract was for, but I didn't get it. Whatever it was that I was pouring my both ends of the candle over in the middle of the night to work as a, as a teacher, it certainly wasn't worth what I missed from Leo. I wasted the years. Some of the years are used for worship and blessing and living in what we have, and some of them are used wasting, chasing, pining away for the things that he already has given you. And deceivers find deceivers, and they always find contracts of deception. And they look like they're friendships, but they're just as thin as Instagram filters. And let me tell you what, they don't call you on your stuff, and they're real nice to you, but you won't see them in seven years. They'll be gone. But blessed are you if you had somebody come and visit you in the spirit and tell you the truth, man. Because listen, truth leads to trust and trust leads to relationship. And you trade a thousand thin little relationships of contract and fakeness and business and you help me feel good and I'll flatter you and way to go, man. And blah, 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 blah. For just one relationship of blessing. It says, I choose you because I choose you and I'm not letting go. And there's a difference between a good church and a grace church. And the good church... We're a young church and everything's going good and we haven't had a lot of stuff hit the fan yet, but it will. And some people will stay and some people will need to go and that's part of the story, right? But the Grace Church is expensive. It costs Jesus everything. And the Grace Church will cost us truth. And deceivers can't handle the truth. But there's no trust without truth and no relationship without trust. And so there it is, right? Like you can choose the thin Instagram filtered life and waste the years. Or you could just choose into somebody and say, I'm blessing you because I bless you. God is showing us in Jacob and Laban who they're like, and he's also showing us what he's not like. God blesses because he blesses. And the people that are looking for blessing and belonging in every other place, they take and 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 they will not stop taking until you're empty and then they'll move on from you. But listen, as Laban came to take, Jesus gives. He's, this is what he's trying to tell us from the beginning. Jacob, like, I'm trying to give to you. I give and I give and I give and I'm not stopped giving. I'm giving my eternal son, my, my only son, so that you would have eternal life. I, you know, Jacob is wasting the seven years, but I came to die and give you eternal life. Eternal life abundant. This is the deal. My kids, like, at nighttime, they're like fireflies and they, they want to 
buzz around the house like, and they're like, I'm not tired, I feel great. I'm just crying all the time, but I don't know how I feel this way, but I just keep running around like a little firefly. Like the tireder they are, the crazier they get. And Kyra's like, I just wish, any parent here wish there was just a button on their forehead to be like, boom, you're tired. And they just fall asleep. Like, I just want you to chill, man. Just fall asleep, you're tired. Like, you're tired, man. You know, you, you're like, you're just chasing, and this is like, you're gonna keep seeing it. There's more chapters. I don't even know what I'm gonna preach on anymore because it's like, we get it, Jacob. You should have gotten it by now, right? And if you were outside of your body, you would have gotten it by now too, right? But you don't know what you don't know. So here we are. We have the bird's eye view to look at it, Jacob, which is a mirror for us. Amen? And so we're more stubborn than Jacob. And we're looking at Jacob, and we're like, dude, just go to sleep. I mean, it's the flocks and the women and the children and the women and the wives and the drama and the blah, 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 years. And then it's over. Man, he's like, if you would just settle down for a second, go to sleep in my grace. I could give you what I wanted to give you. You don't have to fight for the thing that I already wanted to give you in the desert. If you're in the desert half naked, like Tom Hanks and Castaway, and I'm blessing you and telling you you're going to be a king, you think that's impossible for me? You think that rock is just the beginning? I'm here to bless you, man. I'm not here to take from you. And even my taking is given. Remind me of this time, right? John 4, when he meets the woman at the well, and she's like lying to him about the five wives and husbands or whatever. He's like, woman, like if you're thirsty, just come get a drink. You should have asked me for some water 10 years ago, man. That's what he's saying at Jacob's well, right? This is it. This is the humanity thing. It's the cycle. We run and we run because we don't want the truth. But if there's no truth, there's no trust. 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. These buffoon people right here that are just doing a Ricky Lake show, just (laughs) divorcing and marrying and swinging people around, like you're going to just go ahead and just bless them? He's like, listen, that's the thing. Deceivers need grace. Deceivers don't need another word to rebuke them. They just need somebody to give to them the way they don't give. So that's the the trouble, right? That's Jesus' biggest problem, I guess, if he has a problem, is that he's blessing people that think they brought the blessing on themselves. And even when they turn around and spit in his face, he keeps giving. He's that good. So he's blessing them, and he's giving them the children. He's doing the I am promise, even when they're doing the thou shalt, and thou shalt not. So conceives, and Rachel remains childless, but Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son who named him Reuben. And she said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Surely I'll get the blessing now, right? Because I had the kid. You mean the kid that God put in your womb is a miracle? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to use the thing that God gave me to go get the thing that he wants to give me. Because that makes sense, right? So he's blessing. He's just continuing to bless. Again, she conceived. Same as us. He keeps giving us the jobs, man. And we keep thinking we did it on our own. He keeps giving us the grace and the mercies. And then we take the the beautiful, eternal uh, blessing, and we give it away to some guy to get an Instagram-like? Like, we give away the eternal thing, the precious thing, for something that's fleeting? She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, so I will name him Levi. I mean, these are the tribes of Israel. These people are in heaven ruling the nations right now. They come from like hillbilly world over here, man. They're just all over the place. The kings came from possum kingdom. I mean, no hate for that, but I'm just saying they came from nowhere places. South Bend, Indiana. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. Now I have the blessing, right? So she named him Judah and she stopped having children. Yeah, what are you fighting for? In 14 years, it'll be 2035. You'll have the most precious resource that you have somewhat spent in the sense that you can never get back time. And the most valuable thing you could ever receive from the blessing and belonging of God is a blessing and belonging in a spiritual family that you're rooted down. And you have that thing in your hand, and you have your time, and you have your gifts, 
And the decision is, am I going to create a contract or am I going to lean into covenant? Am I going to manipulate and connive or am I going to choose in? Am I going to take and take and take and take and take? Or am I going to decide right now that the best way to live in the blessing is to be a blessing and choose? God, I don't understand the, the issue. I don't understand how it's going to happen. I know you've already blessed me. And this person, even though I want to marry him so bad, does not have what you have for me. And that idol cannot love me the way that you love me. And so Brene Brown will tell you, even though she's a Christian, I know she's a Christian, but even outside of biblical stuff, she's just telling you, if you don't, belo- if you don't believe you belong, you will never belong. Those that experience vulnerability and connection are the ones that believe they are worthy of love and acceptance. And if you don't believe that, no one else will believe it for you. And you'll always be taken and taken and taken and taken and taken. But he came to give and give and give and give life abundant to you. And so um, on Fridays, a quick note, you know, I don't know if it helps you at all, but so my week goes from Sunday. This is my first, this is my Monday, right? Pastor Sunday is Monday. goes to Thursday. And I've been doing this lead job there for about two years now, but, but Friday's a good day because Friday's like weekend time and that's the pastor, pastor weekend time. So Friday comes along and when we went through the beginning growth periods of this church and when I was learning how to feel my way around being a pastor and calling and stuff and it's mixed, man. I mean, I, th- I kind of think God has blessed me, but I kind of think I got to earn it too. It's, it's both of those things. And um, I don't know, do you have a Friday? Friday is where the weight of the week actually begins to hit me. And there's, there's a way that because of the adrenaline and because of the rush, you think you're speaking the truth in love, but you're just spinning and flattering a little bit. And Friday comes and the whole world stops and you don't have to be anywhere for anyone. There's no one to approve of you and there's nobody to criticize you. You're just there with an audience of the Father. And, and you only have the blessing or you don't. Right there. And so on that Friday, it was like, I realized that there, were, there, was, there was truth that I saw on Friday that, that I didn't even think about on Monday. And the added up meetings and the times that got taken away from family and the the words that I let get into me and the things that I tried to get from other people. It's like Friday had to recalibrate me. Friday was where the truth was for me. And maybe that's it for you. Like some of this thing is like you can't belong to the family until you pull away and belong to the father. And unless you belong to the father, you can't belong to anybody. This is why Jesus says to hate your mother and father. You know how much Jesus loves mothers and fathers? You know how much Jesus blesses having children and being a mother and father? He loves mothers and fathers. Don't get it wrong. But the reason why he says it is because, listen, You can't love your father and mother until you love God more than them. And until you hate them, you actually can't love them. It sounds funny, right? Like until you hate your mother and father in light of Jesus, you actually will always be hating them anyways. Why? Because you'll always be a taker. And you'll be taken and taken and taken and taken and taken and taken and you can't be a blessing to anybody until you're blessed. So Jesus is telling that guy that needs to bury his father, go let the dead bury their dead. It's a really harsh thing and, you know, it's a, it's a hyperbole in some ways, right? But it's just saying, look, you can't love anyone until you're loved. And you can't give away anything that you don't have. And if it's true on Friday, it has to be true through the rest of the week. So I'm telling you, you don't have love unless it has truth. Truth and love are not dials on a little instrumentation. They're the same thing. When you find the furthest, deepest revelation of truth, you will find love there because love is truth. And when you find love and you actually walk it out, not cuddly bear love, but love your neighbor and die to yourself and treat people with Honor and dignity in their sexual image, like love, not, not Taylor, Taylor, whatever, you know, whatever cultural love we talk about. I'm talking about Jesus' love, sacrifice love. Greater love is none than this than Taylor Swift, right? Love, that love will lay down its life for somebody else. You can't give away what you don't have. And until you hate your brother and sister, father and mother, and even yourself, you're not ready to love anybody. Because your blessing can't come from anybody and your belonging can't come from anybody. It has to come from him first. 
Questions on the board there? You might take a picture for your small group, for yourself, for your own self-reflection. How is God calling you from deception into intimacy? Oh, it's not on the screen because I did a bad job. That's on me. That's on me. True, true story. You might just listen. How's God calling you from deception years to intimacy years? From now to 2035, you might end up with nothing or you might end up with blessing. And it all has to do with truth. Are you going to live in grace and live in truth? How is God calling you from the deception into intimacy years? Question number one, what is a blessing that you think you need to deceive for? You keep the blessing the way you got it. And so if you kept the blessing by being a pretty cheerleader, whatever, you're going to have to get crazy facelifts and for the rest of your life, keep up with that blessing because that's how you got it. You got to keep it how you got it because it's not following you. You got to chase it. So what is it? What relationship do you have to deceive to keep it going? It's not a relationship at all. And in seven years, it won't mean anything to you, I promise you. Number two, where is God sending you a person as a mirror? You get mad because they sin differently from you, but they sin like you anyways. And they're both running from the truth. And the reason why you found that person, and you continue to get into it, by the way, abusive relationships, right? It's not because of them. In some part, it's because of you, because it's a mirror. And you're looking for something in them. You don't know what it is, but the reason why you keep ending up in dysfunctional relationships is because you're broken. It's not their fault. He's not talking to you about them. He's talking to you about you. Who's there? And who do you keep running into? There's a character, there's a boss, a leader that you keep running into, and it's a mirror man. It's trying to tell you something. The person is a mirror, not a window. Who are you calling family that you're just doing business with? And everybody, man, Planet Fitness wants to be family, right? Everybody, man, family this and fam, man, Clemson family. Like, no, Jesus is family. Let me tell you who your family is. Those who do the will of the Father, those who abide in the truth, will find trust, and that will actually come real family with real blessing. Don't chase anybody that doesn't have your blessing, man. Jesus has your blessing. Jesus has your belonging, and they can't give you anything that he hasn't already given you. We're going to respond in worship and prayer. And so would you stand with me, Holy Spirit? Thank you for tenderly speaking to us this morning. I hope that nothing that was said today felt like any kind of a attack or on anyone's character. Your, your, your role is to bless, and we thank you for blessing. And for the 77th time and for the 14th year, you keep on knocking on our door, Lord, that we wouldn't give away something finite for something eternal. And Lord, that we would be that wise person that found the treasure in the field. We'd sell it all, man. We'd hate our brother and father and mother and sister, even ourself, in light of finding, belonging, and blessing you. We thank you that we don't have to earn anything that we don't have right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. 